Hi, welcome to part two of BetUS College Football Show. In the late window of week six, college football top-ranked Alabama travels to College Station to play Texas A&M in an SEC matchup. Our college football team takes a look at whether Jimbo Fisher's Aggies will bounce back from the straight defeats to put the Crimson Tide to the test. We're about to discuss this big games and much more coming up. Welcome in to the BetUS College Football Show. It is week six. It is part two. It is time for us to discuss the late slate. I'm your host, Gary Seegers. You can follow me on Twitter at GaryWCE. Let me go ahead and introduce the experts that will be talking with us today and every time we do the show. On the right, we have our award-winning professional handicapper, Kyle Hunter. You can follow him on Twitter at KyleHunterPicks. Kyle, uh, yesterday felt good. I'm ready to get into some more talk. We got some fun games this evening, don't we? Yeah, we do, man. There's there's plenty of games left to talk about and looking forward to everybody getting involved in the chat like they have been. And uh, I like to see things growing like they have been. You got that right. We are growing uh, exponentially. I think that's the right word. Hopefully it is. Uh, on the left, we got Parker Fleming, our stats guy, our numerical guru, as I like to call him. You can find him on Twitter at Stats of War. Parker, uh, again, Great games. We got Michigan, Nebraska, Alabama, Texas A&M. I mean, big, big brands. And, of course, today we're going to talk Penn State, Iowa. How are you feeling about it? Man, I'm feeling good about this weekend. I don't want to sell uh, Houston Tulane is tonight. If you remember last year, I think Houston was down 24-7 to and went on like a 42-point run. And then two years ago, Tulane did a fake kneel and won the game. So that's like an all-time chaos game tonight, too. There's a ton of good football, man. You got that right. So let's let's go ahead and get through what we need to get through. Remind everybody, make sure that you are subscribed to the video, of course, and uh, or to the channel, and make sure that you like the video for us. I'm going to go ahead and tell you, go ahead and sign up at BetUS where the game begins. Use the promo code NCAAF2021. Uh, that is just an insane deal. It's 125% sign-up bonus up to $2,500, and it is sportsbook exclusive. So you can use it on sports for the entire season. We've got a long way to go this season. Go ahead and make sure that you get that deal while you can. There is a link in the description, so make sure that you are signed up for that. Again, I've already told you once, I'm going to tell you again, like the video for us. That certainly helps us out. We've got a ton of people already in the chat. Uh, make sure that you like the video and that you are subscribed and that you hit the notification bell so that you know when we go live. We hit the early slate on Wednesdays at 5 p.m. Eastern time, and then we hit the late slate or the afternoon slate on Thursdays at 12 p.m. Eastern time. And then, of course, we have multiple channels that you can go and find specific games if you would like to do that. But we prefer that you hang out with us live right here. So make sure you are subscribed to the uh, to the channel. Uh, jump in the comments. We will have a Q&A at the end of the show for any games that we did not hit. So if you have games that you have questions about, we can give our opinions on those as well. Uh, make sure and jump into the comments afterwards. Tell us what your picks are and share the show out. Tell your friends. Everybody's on social media. If you're watching on YouTube, you more than likely have a Twitter or a Facebook or a uh, TikTok or whatever it is. Tell tell people about the show. We would certainly appreciate that. Let's jump into the recap from uh, last week or from the entire season. We'll just say that. Uh, did not have a great week last week, but overall, still looking okay. We, we're not in dire straits at this point. Uh, I am sitting at 19 wins, 16 losses, and two pushes on the season. Kyle is 16 wins and 11 losses. Parker sitting at 19 wins, 25 losses, and two pushes. Uh, we're okay. Uh, overall, 54, 52, and four, and we're getting into the point of the season where the data really matters, and you're not having to just uh, kind of guess what a team is going to look like, right? So I'm, I'm feeling good about things. Let's go ahead and start off with, I think, the biggest game on Saturday, and that will be Penn State heading to Kinnick Stadium against the Iowa Hawkeyes. Iowa, a one-and-a-half-point favorite at home, total of 41. And guys, Penn State 5-2 and two against the spread in their last seven against Iowa. Iowa has – or sorry, sorry, Penn State has won three straight at Iowa. Um, Iowa has won 11 straight overall. They are 9-2 and two against the spread in those 11 games. Penn State, since losing to Iowa last year, 41-21, to 21, they are 9-0. and oh, Straight up, they are 8-1 and one against the spread. 
These two teams have been on a collision course ever since last season. This is a, a massive, massive game in the Big Ten. Both teams in the top five. I, I, I don't I don't know which way to lean on this. I know which way the numbers would tell me to lean on this. Uh, but I'm going to get you guys in here first to to discuss it. Parker, let me get you to jump in here. I analytics always, or at least predictive analytics, tell us not to pay attention to turnovers. But when a team like Iowa continually gets them and uses that as one of their weapons against the other team, how how does this work? How are we supposed to look at the Hawkeyes? At some point, it's it's sustainable, right? At some point, what Iowa's doing is is sustainable. Gary, second in starting field position, thirty eight point eight yard line, first by an overwhelming uh, overwhelming margin in uh, starting field position on scoring drives. Last week against Maryland, Iowa had nine scoring drives because their offense is bad and they kick a lot of field goals. Only two of them did not start in Maryland territory. They are um, just really, really solid at the fundamentals, really good at forcing turnovers and capitalizing on them. And then once they cross, you know, 50, once they get in plus territory, they're really good at creating chunk plays. They're, they're averaging almost 20 yards per touchdown play uh on those short field drives and so it's not like you know they're plotting and moving the ball they're saying hey we're going to take our shot while we're here so iowa is is really really interesting uh 34th in points per quality opportunity which is 4.81 um and 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 overall if you looked at this game and said you know what we're going to play it like overtime and both teams are going to start at their own 25 and have to drive 75 yards down the field if you turn over you just lose your shot and you start over and the offense has to move the ball penn state should win this convincingly, right? The, the 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 issue here is how how convinced are you that Iowa is not going to be able to create these havoc plays, create these turnovers? Um, because normally I'd say you're right, they are fluky, but Iowa's just done it at such a high rate. One thing that I think is interesting to look at, um, Iowa State's defense or Iowa's defense, excuse me, is is second overall um, in in the nation, and they are uh, 16th in success rate. Penn State has been passing the ball well, 19th in EPA per pass, but they have not rushed the ball well at all. I think against Auburn, they averaged 3.6 yards per yards per rush. Against uh, Indiana last week, Penn State was able to establish a little bit of their run game, uh, averaging over six yards per rush. And so I imagine they'll try to play more conservative football, not, you know, make this a game of a field position and long drives and, and and come away with a close win if everything goes according to plans. But man, that Iowa defense is so good at creating havoc. Um, Iowa is uh, one of the slower teams in terms of rushing. They're rushing on 56.8% of their um, early downs. And uh, in terms of creating quality possession, they're 82nd. Gary, so less than half the time are they getting the ball across the 40 or getting a big play touchdown. You you just can't, I mean, this this offense cannot move the ball 70 yards down the field uh, consistently. And so if Penn State can control the special teams and the turnovers, then uh, I think they they are obviously the better team. But that's a big can they, you know, if if they can do that, that's that's a big F. No, you got that right. Uh, big Trouble Jack jumped into the chat here. He said Franklin at Penn State 0-7 versus top 10 teams on the road. Uh, you know, a lot of the times that's going to be uh, Ohio State, et cetera. It's typically not Iowa. So I don't know what that means, right? I, I bring up a lot of betting trends and whatnot, but – and sometimes they just don't matter. I don't know what to to make of this. Iowa did open up a really interesting passing game last week. Their their game plan, Brian Ferentz, the offensive coordinator, who's uh, obviously the head coach's son, uh, realized that you're going to have to be able to pass. You're going to have to catch some guys off guard. And they opened up with four out of the first five plays being passes and then four out of the next six being passes. They did not run the ball uh, as much as you would think. Now, once they got up, Obviously, it changed, but it was it was a good game plan last week. It was absolutely gorgeous. I'm I'm curious on the Penn State side, like you were talking about, being patient and waiting and and taking whatever Iowa will give you. Don't try and make the big play, et cetera. What I'm worried about, one is has Mike Yurcich actually gotten the the turnover bug out of Sean Clifford because he used to throw that thing away all the time. He has looked significantly better this season. I think they're going to use him a lot in the ground game. So long as you can get him to just stick with the short and intermediate stuff, a lot of dump offs, you know, whatever you can get, don't make, don't do anything risky with the ball. And then I think that Penn state can win this game. Kyle, let me get you in here. I, I, I worry about Penn state trying to take too many risks because when you do that, you are playing right into Iowa's hands. How, uh, how do you feel about this? 
Yeah, guys, I think you probably know which way I want to bet this game. I'd like to bet the under, but it's sitting at 41. Uh, we know these defenses are tremendous. There's weather calling for 15 to 20 mile per hour winds in this game. And I think that matters too. That's enough to make a difference. You know, as far as the side, Penn State plus 1.90 yards per play margin so far this year, which is 20th in the country. Iowa plus 0 0.68, 52nd in the country. That doesn't sound like a team that would be in the top four. But all those things that you guys just said is what has made the difference. Iowa started in opponent's territory on 25% of their possessions. So if you're starting in an opponent's territory on 25% of possessions, you're going to get some easy scores, certainly. And they've been able to do that. The question is, and I think Gary pointed this out uh, correctly, Sean Clifford, we've seen him in the past make big mistakes. I'm not sure it's out of him yet. I want to see this game before I'd want to bet on him in a big spot like this. You know, Iowa... Uh, Kinnick Stadium can get pretty crazy, too. I think it'll be a good environment. Um, you know, I I don't know what to do with the side. Uh, Penn State's better offensively than Iowa, no doubt. 42nd yards per play on offense. Iowa just 114th. You know, Penn State's plus six in turnover margin, too. So they've been pretty good with the turnovers thus far. Iowa plus 12, number one in the country. I still want to pick the under here. So I'm going to lean the under here. Fairly strongly at 41. 41 is a key number. I'd love it if it could get to 42. Um, I would bet this one if it got to 42, definitely. Um, you know, as far as this one, Sagarin rates Penn State strength of schedule 34th and Iowa 18th. So Iowa's played a bit tougher schedule. But the games that they've won, we remember the Iowa State game where, you know, Iowa State turned the ball over and gave them free touchdowns constantly. And then obviously they they turned over Maryland constantly. You would think that's hard to predict that keeps happening. But, you know, as we said, they've been able to do it a lot of times. I think this secondary is tremendous. I think the key here is can Penn State run the football? Because I don't think you want Clifford throwing the football a ton against this team. And like Parker said, Penn State's not really been that good at running the football so far this year. You would think with the talent that they have in the backfield, they would be better. Um, I'm cautious about the side here. I'm going to strong lean to the under in this one. I, I was joking with somebody on Twitter actually about this yesterday, and and he told me that it is actually illegal for either of these teams to score uh, twenty in this matchup. So I, I tend to agree with that. You know, it it, it may be forty one, but would it surprise you to see a thirteen to ten game here? I don't think so. So that uh, that's the way that I would lean as well. Would certainly be the under. I don't feel like any of us feel strong enough about this. We are not going to have an official play on it, but we would like to hear your opinions in the chat uh, and in the comments. So if you would, jump in to the comments. Let us know which way you are going to roll with this. We want to hear your opinions on the game. Let's dive into the next one here. Uh, we're moving to North Texas at Missouri. Now, this is what makes this show entertaining, is we can go from the big games to one that may not uh, have a lot of a lot of an audience. <laughs> Missouri, a 19-point favorite at home. The total is 69. Uh, Missouri just found out yesterday uh, that they have lost cornerback Ennis, uh, let's see, Rakestraw, uh, to a torn ACL in practice this week. Uh, so that is definitely not good for an already struggling defense. North Texas, 2-8 and eight against the spread in their last 10 as an underdog. Um, Missouri has not covered in eight straight games. Now, Parker... Let me get you in here before I, I give my side on this. I feel I feel like Missouri is really struggling. This seems like it could be a get-right game, right? North Texas is very bad. Uh, North Texas has not scored more than 17 points. They, they've only broken double digits in two of their three games. 17, 12, and six points on the, on the season uh, against FBS competition. Very, very bad. Uh, Missouri's defense is also very bad, though. We've documented their struggles, 123rd in EPA per play. But I do think, especially after the game last week with Tennessee, which is um, uh, a little bit frustrating, uh, that, that Missouri will look to get right. I think that Missouri has an obvious talent advantage outside, and Connor Bazelak is, is, is a fine quarterback. They're 34th in offensive EPA. I think they'll put up points here. Looking at a, a, an over that's, that's you know, very closely, that, that 69 number, North Texas is really not going to put up many points. You wonder how much Missouri is going to score here. And so I'm interested in the under. I don't, I don't have an official play here, but I do like the idea of a get right game. I do like the idea of um, Missouri's defense getting some confidence points here. They um, are, are the, the troubling thing about Missouri's defense, Gary, 31st in, in field position allowed. Opponents are starting drives on average on their own 26th. 
and Missouri is letting them get a quality possession at a 66.7% rate. So it is uh, open season on the Missouri defense. I think that uh, North Texas won't be able to replicate that, but there, there are some definite issues and having some injuries there. It's, it's, it's a little worrisome for Missouri for the rest of the season, but I think this is a nice spot. Here is, here's what I'm scared of. Uh, DeAndre Torrey, the running back for North Texas, averaging 5.67 yards per attempt. Um, but I don't think that they, they don't use him a ton. If they decide to use him, then obviously Missouri could be in trouble here. Uh, Austin on is the the new quarterback, or I guess the the retread quarterback because he was the starter. He got benched, then they went back to him. Uh, he is not great. He's not a great quarterback at all. Uh, only forty two percent completion percentage on the season. So I like you said, I don't expect a lot of points here. Uh, but let's let's move to the official plays on this. At North Texas's offense, I don't believe can keep up here. I think Missouri is going to. Uh, score at almost at will in this spot. And I expect a ton of points uh, for them to start feeling a little bit better about themselves, especially after being shellacked at home last week by Tennessee. I'm going to roll Missouri minus the 19. I know that they lost the cornerback. I know that this line has actually gone against me because I actually took Missouri at 20, but my line on this was Missouri minus 23. And when I'm getting three points and now four points, I, I'm going to roll with it. it. It's moved against me. I don't care. I think Missouri handles this, uh, and I'm getting it less than three touchdowns. I feel pretty good about that. Uh, so, again, leave your picks for this game in the comments. We would love to hear your opinion on it. Moving on, we got another fascinating matchup here. Buffalo heads to Kent State. Kent State, a five-and-a-half-point favorite at home, total of 65. Last year, Buffalo won this game 70-41. to 41. I mean, just ridiculous. Uh, 7 p.m. Eastern time kick here. Three straight overs and four of the last five in this matchup. Uh, Kent State, two and two against the spread the last two seasons as a home favorite. And Kent State did win as a dog against Buffalo at home in 2019. Just one straight out. I don't know what we can tell about Kent State um, from the start, basically due to the strength of schedule, right? The stats don't really tell us exactly what we need to know about this team. Buffalo, number 19, or sorry, 119. In net available yards, Kent State is number 107. Uh, if we're just trying to look at stats, I don't know what you can gather from these two teams. I know that Buffalo has made some scores look better than they actually were because they got destroyed in some of these games. Uh, but then you will have an appearance every now and then, like the Coastal Carolina game where they lost by three. But, you know, it seemed to be in it, even though they had to score a late touchdown just to be able to get within that margin. I I don't know which way to to roll with this. Kyle, let me get you in here. Uh, tell me about these two teams. I feel like both of these could kind of score at will if they want to. Yeah, I mean, last year's game being 70 to 41, it's fair to say, though, that these two teams are quite a bit different than last year. Leopold's gone. Patterson's gone for the Bulls. Um, it surprises me, though, that Buffalo ranks 23rd in pace of play so far this year. And we all know Kent State plays really fast, unsurprisingly ninth in pace of play so far this year. And Dustin Crum and this Kent State offense have been far worse than what I would have expected, certainly. But I still think he can put up big numbers soon here playing against weak MAC teams. Texas A&M, Iowa, Maryland, even a much improved Bowling Green defense that has pretty good numbers this year have been on the schedule thus far. Now you get the easier MAC defenses coming up. Buffalo ranks 124th out of 130 teams in the country in opponent passing play success rate. You know, here's Dustin Crumb's chance. Let's see if uh, Kent can put up a better number. I think they probably can. Kent State's defense is awful. They're, they're clearly very bad, giving up nearly five yards per carry. They rank dead last in opponent passing play success rate. Um, so they're really not very good at anything defensively. Before the season, I would have thought I was going to bet Kent State in this game. But I am a bit iffy on, on Kent State But based on what they've done. I will say uh, both teams do for red zone regression that would help an over here. Kent State has nine touchdowns in 23 trips into the red zone. Um, if you remember remember the Kent State-Maryland game, uh, watched a decent amount of that. Kent State just nonstop in the red zone, then couldn't get anything out of it. Um, you know, you would have to think that playing against MAC teams, they're going to be better, especially against defenses that aren't very good. And then defensively, Kent and Buffalo have allowed just 14 scores in 22 trips and in 20 trips in the red zone, um, respectively. So negative regression likely coming for the defenses. You know, we're going to see a quick tempo. I hate that this line has moved. This one was 62. It's gone up to 65. 
feel like a broken record on that. But these <laughs> these totals do move quite a bit, certainly throughout the week. Having said that, you know, this is kind of the last stand here for is Kent State's offense actually going to be decent. So if Kent State lets me down in this one, I'm going to be shy about trying to think that they're going to score a lot uh, coming up in the future. But, you know, 70 to 41 last year, Kent very motivated for this game. You can read some of the press clippings here. They really want this game after they gave up 70 points last year. I think Buffalo still can score and can run pretty easily on this bad run defense. But I think this is where Kent State's offense looks a lot better. We get a total of 65, which is pretty high. But with the pace that we're going to see in this game and these two defenses, I think it's a good overplay. I tend to agree. Uh, It is kind of difficult, like I said, strength of schedule and whatnot, because against Texas A&M's defense, against Iowa's defense, you can't really expect Kent State to score a ton. uh, But they were able to get in scoring opportunities and just were not able to to get home with it. So they did it especially early against Texas uh, A&M. At the end of that game, they had multiple opportunities to cover the the point spread and could not get it done. I mean, they ended up missing the field goal. They they had fourth and goal. They had, I mean, just all sorts of opportunities there and, and we're not able to get that done. Parker, let me bring you in here. Buffalo, uh, you know, an underdog on the road and they haven't looked great. Like I said, their, their postgame win expectancy in, in almost all these games that they've lost has been nearly 100%. They have just not even been in the games uh, and yet the scores remain somewhat close. Uh, how do you, how do you feel about the Bulls here? I think that what y'all have pointed out about uh, red zone opportunity and closing drives uh, is kind of the key here. One, one stat that I think we haven't mentioned in points per per uh, quality possession, Buffalo is 19th in the nation on defense. They're bowing up inside the 40, and so I think that they will be able to force some field goals um, from a Kent State team that doesn't seem to be gelling on offense very well. And I, I, I do think that I lean um, like money line towards Kent State, but my numbers have this as as really, really close. And uh, again, Buffalo has gotten outplayed in three straight games, but they've had a uh, three straight one one score games to uh, to show for it. And so I like I like them with uh, with five and a half. I like them being able to disrupt the passing game um, or excuse me, the, the 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 rushing game. And I think that overall, uh, Kent State is going to have to rely on the rush a little bit more just because their passing game has been so volatile. So it'll be interesting to see um, kind of how they match up. But I, I, I bet Buffalo to cover it in Nebraska. I was really disappointed. And seeing what they've done the last three weeks, just keeping it close. I think that I, I there's nothing about Kent State, uh, 102nd EPA margin, that leads me to believe that they're going to be able to pull away from Buffalo. And Buffalo has shown itself to be pesky and annoying, if not if not good. So um, that's why that's why I'm taking uh, I'm taking Buffalo here. I think it'll be close, but I do think that Kent State is the better team. I tend to agree with you. So that moves us to the official picks here, and we have got two of them. Parker is going to side with the Bulls at plus five and a half, and Kyle going over the 65. Again, remind everybody. Toss your picks into the comments. We want to see what you take on this game as well. Moving on, we have a Mountain West battle for the ages, my friends. The Wyoming Cowboys headed to Air Force. And Air Force, a six-point favorite, juiced at minus 115. The total at 46.5. Air Force won this game last year, 20-6. to six. Craig Bolt, the Wyoming head coach, is 4-2 and two straight up against Air Force since he has been at Wyoming. Uh, Wyoming, of course, coming off of a bye week. They did not look good against UConn uh, two weeks ago, and that it does scare you a little bit, just a little bit. Wyoming, 15-4 and four against the spread in their last 19 against Air Force. They always get up for this game. Remember, Bowl was the, uh, the coach at North Dakota State. He coached the triple option. He knows what Air Force runs. Now, Air Force tosses in different wrinkles. Troy Calhoun uh, has a lot of different things that he can do with that run game. But I I do feel pretty good about this. Although, these are two teams. Like, I brought up strength of schedule with Kent State and Buffalo. The strength of schedule for these two teams is not great. Air Force, number 140 in Sagarin strength of schedule. And Wyoming, number 122. So, neither team has exactly played a gauntlet yet. Uh, Air Force does have one loss coming in. Wyoming is undefeated. And you guys know that Wyoming was my pick for the Mountain West this year. I thought that they could win the Mountain West Conference. So uh, give me give me some thoughts here, Kyle. I, I want to know uh, why you think I should maybe not roll with the Cowboys in this one. <laughs> I mean, I can't talk you out of it here, Gary. Uh, I think that <laughs> when you 
get a low scoring game. You've got a low total. Both teams are going to run the football a lot and you're getting this many points. I, I certainly have to lean toward Wyoming. And as you mentioned, Craig Bowles teams have been perennially easy for me to say uh, good at stopping the triple option. It's because he knows it so well. Uh, dates back to his FCS days, certainly. Wyoming is a tough matchup for Air Force. I don't think there's any question about that. Now they had an extra week to get ready for this game after everybody thinks, man, Wyoming is no good. Nobody wants to bet Wyoming in this spot, but Gary does, and I can't blame him. So uh, I think I think this is the buy low spot. We talked about that in the preseason. That there's some buy low spots, and I think you're buying low on Wyoming, a team that a lot of us thought did have some you know, pretty high um, aspirations this year, and you're buying low on them in a low-scoring game, a game that I think can come down to the final possession. It wouldn't surprise me if this is decided right at the very end of this game. And, you know, um, Wyoming is 106th in tempo, Air Force 127th. Wyoming runs the ball on 64% of plays, Air Force on 91% of plays. You give me a low-scoring game, a guy that has shown that he's good at stopping the triple option, and six points, I, I have to lean toward Wyoming in this game. So, Gary, I can't talk you out of this one. And like you said, I, I actually had that stat here. Uh, Wyoming runs the ball uh, the 13th most in the country and Air Force number two in that spot. Uh, Parker, you know, tell me tell me about this spot. I, should I be terrified of Air Force here? I can't believe you're betting against the troops, Gary. Um, I, I like this matchup. A couple of stats stand out. Specifically, Air Force is predictably excellent on late downs, third and fourth downs. They are fifth in the nation, converting 55.17 of their late downs, whereas Wyoming's defense is 64th, allowing 41.4% conversion. So I think that Air Force is going to have a lot of leeway to move the ball in this kind of slow, grinding way. Um, a couple of things that, that really stick out to me on, on defense for Wyoming, their EPA per rush is 124th in the nation. And their rushing success rate allowed is 115th in the nation. And like you both have mentioned, Air Force likes to do one thing and they like to do it well. Um, and then when you try to counter that one thing, they can go over the top. Air Force 54th in EPA per pass, uh, or excuse me, 38th in EPA per pass. They'll, you know, they'll pop a big uh, pass play off over the top if you commit too heavily to the run. And so I like the punch counter punch that Air Force has, especially given Wyoming's struggles with the rush. Six points. It's a it's a touchdown. I I, I can see that being a lot. I'm I'm staying away because I do think it'll be slow, and I would lean towards an under. Um, but I I think I, I lean a little bit more towards Air Force than I would Wyoming if I'm picking a side here. How dare you? How dare you go against the Cowboys? This is a statement spot. You know what? Let's make it an official play. I am rolling with Wyoming because I believe that week off certainly helps. And Craig Bowl knows this team. He knows what they run. He knows this option. His team knows this. They got a good defensive line, even though they didn't look it against UConn. I understand that. But even still, uh, I'm going to I'm gonna believe that now that they are into conference play, they will look significantly better. And even though the, the data doesn't exactly show us that Wyoming can stop the run, I think they will find a way to at least slow down Air Force in this spot. So I'm rolling Wyoming and the Cowboys plus six in this one. Uh, you guys, of course, jump into the chat, jump into the comments. Let me know if you agree with me or not. I would love to know your pick on this game. Uh, remind everybody, like the video, make sure and subscribe to the channel if you have not already. Uh, I, I see way more people watching than have actually liked the video. That math just doesn't add up to me. So do us a favor, hit that like button. Certainly make sure that when you subscribe, you hit that notification bell. Again, we go live on Wednesdays at 5 p.m. Eastern and Thursdays at 12 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, jump into the chat, of course, for the Q&A at the end of the show. If you did not see yesterday's show, go back and watch it. We hit the early slate yesterday. We hit the afternoon slate today. Let's dive in. Game number five for us. Michigan heads to Nebraska. Big red country. Total is 50 and a half. Nebraska, a three and a half point home dog here. Look, there are there are so many things that we could talk about with this uh, with this game. Michigan, three and seven against the spread. Their last 10 as a road favorite. Nebraska, two and six against the number as a home dog under Scott Frost. They have covered their last two, though. Uh, Nebraska, five and two against the spread. Their last seven at home. So that's uh, that's a little bit surprising. They are favored in, in a lot of games. I'm... I've got a lot of thoughts on this game. Uh, I, I think <laughs> I, I feel like Michigan was found out against Rutgers, right? And, and Wisconsin was not able to do the things necessary to take advantage of Michigan's defense. But 
Rutgers had success in the second half of their game by running an RPO style. Uh, and, and Nebraska does that almost perfectly. You are not going to find a better dual option quarterback than Adrian Martinez. Now, the question is, of course, is Adrian Martinez going to make the, the drastic mistake? Uh, he hasn't made a ton of them, but as well as he played against Michigan State, his worst pass of the night was the game or the pass that cost them the game in overtime. I, gentlemen, I need to get you guys in here. I need I need some help on this one. Uh, Kyle, let me let me get you in. I I look at these numbers, and I feel like it, this should be easy for Michigan. They're four and two against the spread. Their last six on the road, just overall. Nebraska has lost fourteen straight to ranked opponents. Uh, however, there's a strong part of me that really likes Nebraska here. Kyle, what do you what do you think about the Cornhuskers and the Wolverines? Michigan's four and one ATS this year. Nebraska's five and one ATS. Everybody remembers that first game where they looked bad against Illinois, but Nebraska has played good since then, certainly. And Adrian Martinez in general has played very well after a slow start this year. You know, Michigan last week against Wisconsin, that was more about Wisconsin not being able to get out of their own way, right? Um, I don't think Michigan looked tremendous in any way in that game. Like Gary said, Michigan didn't look great against Rutgers. Makes me wonder about them in this spot. You know, having said that, I'm not excited to bet Adrian Martinez in Nebraska here because he's an interesting case. He's been a turnover machine his whole career. He's played well in these recent weeks. You know, I I don't know exactly why, but his average depth of target is 10.9 yards so far this year. Last year it was 7.1. Um, That's quite the huge jump, especially when their offensive line has been terrible in pass blocking, 122nd out of 130 in PFF grade. They've allowed 18 sacks, so maybe he's just putting it up for grabs, throwing the deep ball a little bit more often. But um, 122nd out of 130 in pass blocking grade is behind Kansas and Southern Miss, so not great company down there. Michigan, 13th in pass rush grade at PFF, so I I think that Michigan will get pressure on Adrian Martinez. I would suspect Nebraska would want to run the football a lot here. Nebraska's been very well, uh, doing very well running the football last week, just absolutely torched Northwestern. You know, maybe that's more about Northwestern, but Nebraska was certainly very impressive offensively in that game. Michigan, on the other side, has allowed just one sack all year, so their uh, offensive line has been very good. Nebraska 37th in yards per play allowed so far this year. I think Nebraska's defense is better than most people think this season. I lean to the under in this game. I think this will be a hard-fought game. I think we find out a lot about both of these teams after this game. So um, I can't bet a side in this one. I'd rather just watch and see what happens. But I'll lean to the under here. Parker, this game feels like it's going to come down to to Cade McNamara and Adrian Martinez, right? At Nebraska, it's susceptible uh, vulnerable to the the explosive pass play. Cade kind of showed us last week against Wisconsin, like they've got a few of those that they can draw up if they need to. Uh, he's got a 130 passer rating on deep throws. I, But do I trust him? And I don't know if I trust either of these quarterbacks to be able to get it done. Give me your thoughts here. This one is interesting. I was laughing when you said, is Adrian Martinez going to make the mistake? Because in my head, I thought, is the mistake Adrian Martinez trying to throw the ball? Um, (laughs) I I do think that Michigan is better on both sides of the ball and more consistent than they have been in the past couple of years. But you said it very well about last week, Kyle, it being Wisconsin not getting out of their own way. Um, Michigan and Wisconsin both had negative total EPA last week in that game. Michigan just had smaller negative total EPA. And so um, I wasn't super, I mean, obviously they should have won that game and they won the game about as, as they should have. But going into this, Nebraska has looked good the last couple of games. That Oklahoma game, I think, was a corner where they could have said, um, you know, that the season's over and we're done and we're checking out, but they didn't. They rallied around. They're 10th in EPA margin right now. Um, Michigan is eighth overall. One thing I think is super interesting uh, speaking about Michigan getting pressure, Adrian Martinez, 513 rushing yards this season, 341 of them are on scrambles. That's almost, you know, what, 75, 76%. I can't do math offhand, but he, he really makes his hay when the pocket collapses and he can run around and, and, and be a gunslinger. And so it'll be interesting to see Michigan's kind of brand of stability, consistency, take advantage of opportunity and Nebraska's, you know, Hot, hot handle uh, offense. I uh, Other things that stand out to me is Nebraska is allowing a, a lot of success on defense in that uh, they're 86, the defensive success rate. Michigan is only 51st, which for their offense being the 17th 
in EPA is is really skewed. They are reliant on the big play. And so it, I, I'm interested to see what that matchup looks like. Is Michigan going to get in a fist fight with Nebraska and then try and have the pass bail them out? Will Michigan take a couple shots early and, and see if they can test Nebraska here? Uh, and so I, I, I like this to be close because I'm, I'm higher on Nebraska than their record shows, and I'm a little bit lower on Michigan just because I think that both of their units are are good but they're not uh excellent overall um on on either side of the ball and nebraska again rushes just so well ninth in epa per rush again driven by adrian martinez so i think martinez is the difference maker here because Cade mcnamara is i'm sorry to say it a little bit boring um and 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 michigan's (laughs) offense is a little bit boring and i think that chaos here will favor nebraska they're at home it's only a field goal um i i I like the Cornhuskers here i i like your your assessment of this, I really do. I if, if if anybody really wanted to know how much of an evolving organism the college football season is, we were making fun of Nebraska early early this season, and now Parker's betting on them. So I this is a win win. If they lose, I can continue to make fun of them, and if they win, I get a pick. So I mean, there's there's no downside here. I, I like it. I like it. So let's move to the official plays. Of course, reminder: toss your plays into the comments. We want to hear your thoughts on the game. Um, and we have one here. Parker is going to side with Nebraska plus three and a half. I am too terrified to do it, but I can absolutely see uh, Big Red getting a big win at home on Saturday night. So so we'll see what happens. Uh, my line was actually opposite of this. My, my line actually had Michigan minus five, but I don't trust it. I don't trust that of these teams. So Parker's going to ride with the Cornhuskers plus three and a half. I like it. Let's move on. We've got three more games to discuss. Alabama heads to Texas A&M. Late Saturday night, the Tide, an 18-point favorite on the road, total of 51. 51. I mean, just ridiculous. Last year, Alabama won this game 52-24. to 24. Uh, Alabama linebacker Drew Sanders is going to be out of this game, and he is the linebacker that actually replaced Chris Allen, who was lost in the opening game of the season. Uh, Zach Calzada at quarterback is in a lot of trouble here. Uh, his receivers have dropped 11.7% of his passes. Haynes King only had to deal with a 2.86% drop rate. Uh, Alabama 5-2 and two against the spread. Their last seven against A&M. They are 5-0 and oh against the number when the line is less than three touchdowns. Uh, A&M, I think you're going to see a lot of slow tempo here. I think that's why that, that total where, is where it is. The A&M defense, the numbers actually look pretty good here. Uh, number four in opponent points per play, uh, .178. They are number 20 in yards per play, but... They're the, if you just look at the metrics for each individual stat, they're just middle of the road everywhere. It's it's really surprising what has happened to this team. Uh, the Florida crowd got the Alabama offense uh, in a lot of trouble, right? They, they were not able to communicate as well with as loud as the Swamp was uh, down in Gainesville. I'm curious if Kyle Field will have that same effect. I have heard a lot of people talking this week about how uh, not intimidating that crowd can be, and I don't know what exactly it is about it, but... I mean, you would think with 103,000 people or whatever it is that it would be an intimidating atmosphere. Maybe Saturday night, maybe it'll be different. Who knows? Uh, let's let's go ahead and swap over. I, Kyle, I, I think it, you look at this line, it feels like Alabama should be able to cover this easily. But, I mean, before the season, this would have been like a seven, seven and a half point spread. So do we look at preseason or do we look at, at what we've got right now? I don't think we can look at preseason at this point with Texas A&M. I mean, we've we've seen it's a pretty big drop off from King to Calzada. Um, Gary, when you said the total surprisingly at 51, uh, you assumed it would be higher. Is that what you mean? Yeah, I really did. I, it, thinking of it, thinking of what the score was last year and this Alabama team that just put up 42 on Ole Miss, it's not that I expect them to score 42. But also with the pace that Jimbo is likely going to play with, I can I can understand 51. I just I felt like I felt like we would see more points here. One of these weeks, we're going to get Gary to pick a total. Uh, I thought maybe this was going to be the game when he said that. But (laughs) but uh, no, Gary, I think that 51 is a fair number here, because how many can we expect Texas A&M to score? I don't think Texas A&M can put up very many points here. Bama should be able to score, but I'm worried about Calzada. Uh, that offensive line has been bad. 86th in pass blocking grade at PFF, 65th in run blocking grade. They've been very disappointing. 
look, it's not very helpful if you're on, on a backup quarterback and they're dropping a bunch of passes and the offensive line's bad. Not a great uh, thing for when Bama's coming to town. You know, Bama's going to bring the pressure. I think Calzada's going to be in trouble on that. Texas A&M's defense is really well coached by Elko, but I think this Bama offense is just elite, too good for this Texas A&M defense. A&M has allowed just five touchdowns on opponents' 13 trips into the red zone. That's 17th best in the country. I think Bama can finish drives here, though, uh, where other teams haven't been able to. So I lean toward Bama minus the points. I hate laying this many points on the road. I just don't think Texas A&M can score very many here. So the other lean I would have is a Texas A&M team total under. Parker, Jimbo Fisher signed a contract extension before the season that paid him, what, $9.5 million a year going forward. And I feel like we all should have seen it coming, right? Anytime somebody signs a contract before the season, as opposed to after the season, you feel like, eh, okay, maybe they know something that we don't. Uh, tell me about A&M. Tell me about Alabama. What, what should we look for here? I'm in the wrong line of work, Gary. I need, I need one of those Jimbo Fisher buyouts. Let me tell you, what am I doing with my life? Um, yeah, I, I like this one a lot. Again, I feel like Alabama, you know, had some issues earlier on, not that they were bad, but against Florida, Gary, you and I talked about, Hey, what's our defense look like? Maybe they were working some things out in games that, that, that looked a little weird, but I do think that they're hitting their stride. They're third in EPA margin, uh, third on offense, 33, 33rd on defense. Uh, A&M is 55th. A lot of that's driven by some earlier success, 98 on offense, 10th on defense. But if you look at kind of who they've played and how they've played, they've had, um, you know, that's some circumstantial stuff against Arkansas where um, KJ Jefferson was out for a little bit. And I really think that A&M is a mess and they are spiraling here. Again, a great thing about college football is that who knows, something crazy could happen with three backup linemen and a quarterback, but I really like Alabama to cover here. Nick Saban, um, you know, just, they, they're just quiet and efficient last week, Gary, in my play-by-play -play stats, I actually only had five drives for Alabama in non-garbage time. Um, and they, they basically scored a touchdown on every drive, except they threw an interception at the Ole Miss 20, which probably would have been another uh, touchdown or, or a field yes. goal there. And so I guess I was third and 13. So that would have been a field goal. And so um, Alabama just ruthlessly efficient. A&M's defense is playing well, but I do think that um, – the issue is going to be the offensive line. The key stat for Calzada for me, he's pressured on 38.5% of dropbacks. Gary, one turnover-worthy play in 87 attempts in a clean pocket, six turnover-worthy plays in four, uh, 42 attempts from a clean oh. pocket. That is a drastic – he gets rattled, and Will Alabama Anderson, is going to be oh. – <laughs> yeah, as the kids say, Alabama is going to be all up in Zach Calzada's business. So um, under, I understand uh, Kyle Field, home field advantage matters, but there's really not an aspect of, of A&M that I think they are going to um, be able to have an edge in any way, shape, or form. Um, no, no passing game to speak of, 106th in early downs EPA. So I expect this to be similar, at, at worst, similar to um, – Ole Miss, Alabama, and I think that Ole Miss has a, uh, a much more explosive offense than than A&M does potentially. And so I like for this to be kind of back to Nick Saban as the villain of college football, and his teams are going to ruthlessly cover until the championship is is theirs. Like they're they're going about their business, and so I like them with with points here. I I tend to agree with you. Uh, in the off season, I believe Jimbo Fisher told the Touchdown Club that uh, eventually they were going to beat Alabama's butt or whatever it was, and. Of course, it got back to Nick Saban. Nick Saban said, what, in golf? Like, it was, it's become a whole thing. But Saban uses those little things with his team. He's done it every year. Anytime he gets a, a situation where somebody thinks that they should be uh, coming up to that level, he uses it as a motivating tool with his team. I wouldn't be surprised if they do the same thing, especially going on the road here. Uh, we did have Heath jump into the chat. He said, are there any injuries on the A&M side? Uh, the wide receiver, Lane, is uh, is likely going to miss this game. Um, at, we'll, we'll see. I mean, he, he could play, I doubt he'll be a hundred percent, but that's a bit of a security blanket for Calzada. Uh, if he doesn't have him there, you know, there's still guys for him to throw through a nice, a nice Smith and whatnot, but it, it, there's, there's some offensive line issues. There's just all kind of stuff going on with A&M. So I, uh, I tend to lean the same direction as you Parker, Alabama minus 18. So let's move to the official plays and just like every other game, go ahead and tell you jump into the chat. Jump into the comments with your play on this. We want to know what you think about the game. Parker, official play, Alabama, minus 18. He is going to roll with the tide, and I like it. 
I don't get to say that very often. So <laughs> we got two more games that we're going to discuss. We got a late night Pac-12 game. Let's go ahead and hit it. Utah heads to USC, and these are two teams that we expected to be a little bit better this season. The Trojans, a three-point favorite at home, juiced at minus 115. The total, 52 and a half here. USC has won and covered two straight against Utah, basically since Graham Harrell became the offensive coordinator. I, I, they seem to have found a way to attack that Utah defense. Last year, they won 33 to 17. Uh, Utah, 13 and two against the spread their last 15 as a road underdog. And yes, one of those two losses was actually to USC. So uh, Utah has swapped quarterbacks. Now Cam Rising is the the quarterback here. They should be able to run on USC, who is the number 75 team in opponent yards per rush. Uh, Utah's pass defense is actually okay. It's like they've worked out some of the kinks in the non-conference. And once they got it now, it was Washington State. But they look pretty good uh, in their first Pac-12 game. Uh, Parker? Yeah, give me some numbers here. I I don't know which way to go with this or or if the numbers even matter with these two teams because it can be a bit of a Jekyll and Hyde situation, right? Yes, that's, that's ultimately why I, I don't have a play on this game, even though my model on paper has USC by about six and a half. Um, but again, recent performance, there's there's differences in injuries and stuff that the aggregate data can't do can't can't uh, take care of. And so I'm a little wary here, especially because it's in um, I think if it was in Utah, I'd, I'd lean more towards Utah covering. But generally, I think that um, this is uh, one of these teams is going to be the 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 middle class of the Pac-12 and the other one's going to have a, an awfully disappointing season. And it feels like that all hinges on this game. Uh, neither team is 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 great on. Uh, on the aggregate, Utah 74th in EPA margin, USC 75th in EPA margin. If we break that down by offense and defense, Utah's def- offense is 106th, USC's defense is 86th. Um, so the one the one key here is Utah's defense is 17th, whereas USC's offense is 62nd. Um, but U- USC's offense has been efficient. They've been able to move the ball decently, 28 or eighth overall in success rate, 28th in the pass, first in the rush. But they haven't really been able to kind of break off any EPA um, big play uh, kind of a, a ceiling on offense. And so I think, of course, that's not going to break through against the Kyle Whittingham team. Um, I'm not. I'm not sure. Is 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 Dart starting for for USC? That would complicate. No. I, I know he was wearing a brace, and and Slovis has been in and out. Um, and so g- generally, this is a game where I'm interested in the long run for these two teams. But in terms of playing it, I disagree with my model because of uh, some some circumstances. And so I'm I'm not going to touch it, even though I would lean towards Utah's defense being uh, the best unit on the field. Uh, Dart is not playing for for quite a while. He he just got back onto uh, the practice field this week. Uh, yeah, meniscus, yeah, he's going to be out for for a little bit. I just saw uh, a tweet about a brace, and it was in the back of my head. I should have yep. looked it up before I confirmed that, but I just, I just had it in my head. That's great. Uh, it's all good. It's all good. I was laughing earlier. Uh, as soon as we jumped to this game, Mark Holmes jumped into the chat. He said, "Here we go. It's Kyle's hat game." So, Kyle, give me some thoughts <laughs> on the Utes here. What's going on? <laughs> Yeah, look, um, Utah is not really easy to pick right now based on how they've played so far this year. So it's hard for me to sit here and say, look, Utah is great. Here's why they're great. This is more about, I think, Kyle Whittingham is a really good coach. And I want to back a Kyle Whittingham team off a bye. Uh, off bye, Utah is covered on average by seven points per game with Whittingham as their head coach. So against the spread, they have been money in the bank coming off a bye. Here's their chance. You know, this is the shot. If Utah doesn't show up here, if they're a no-show, I can't bet them the rest of the year because I think they'll be the really disappointing team. So this is their circle the wagons game. I think they can do it here. USC is 71st in the nation in yards per play margin at just plus 0.036. And Utah is 33rd, plus 1.38. And strength of schedule, USC 46th, Utah 43rd. So Utah has not really played a worse schedule. Utah is 13 for 20, scoring any points inside the red zone. So they have really struggled in the red zone. USC is 21 for 21. Um, Unlikely to be able to score every single time they get into the red zone in the future. I think Utah has to be really pumped for this game. Even their good teams haven't been able to win at USC. Here's their chance. I think they do have a chance here. USC is certainly down. This USC defense is not good. I think Utah can run the football here. I think they'll try to run the football keep Slovis and that uh, offense off the field. USC 105th in defensive success rate. 
USC has not been good as favorites either. I know that was under Helton, but uh, you know, I don't think USC is a team I want to trust laying points. Utah off a bye, coaching advantage. I'm taking the points here, and I'm also betting some of this on the money line. I like it. I like it. So let's move into the official plays here. And, of course, we want to remind you, your opinion counts just as much as ours does, so toss it into the comments. We want to know what you think about this game. Uh, Kyle is going to ride with Utah plus the three, uh, and he he may sprinkle a little money line action on that. And I, I like it. I like it. I like the thought process on it. Uh, we have got one more game. So let me go ahead and remind everybody, like the video. There are way more people watching than have liked it. Those numbers don't add up. So go ahead and like the video for us and make sure you are subscribed. This is a barn burner, fellas. New Mexico State heads to Nevada, Nevada, however you want to say it. And the pack are a 30 and a half point home favorite here. And you may be wondering why I would want to talk about New Mexico State and the Wolfpack here. Uh, New Mexico State is four and one against the spread their last five as a 30 plus point underdog. This is a bit of a letdown spot after Nevada's win over Boise State at New Mexico State. This season, three and one against the spread, their last four as a double-digit dog. The Nevada defense is not good, fellas. It's just not good. I, Parker, let me go on and get you in here because I, I know you got something for me on this. At New Mexico State played in the spring, didn't look great. I bet them in week uh, zero, I guess it was, or maybe week one, whenever it was. I bet them against UTEP. UTEP is significantly better than I thought they would be. But New Mexico State has maybe made some strides here. Uh, what what do the numbers say about this game? Oh, I think you're muted. <laughs> the uh, the dog the dog barked, and so I tried to get him, and I got myself. Sorry, guys. Uh, Nevada, Nevada here. I uh, have this as a as a as a pretty big game. Uh, high high twenties. Um, I don't know how much they will score. Not it's not a matter of how much they can score. I think against. Uh, New Mexico um, State here. Both teams, one one really interesting stat, both teams are in the top 10 of uh, most pass heavy. Uh, New Mexico State, 37% of early downs they are passing, uh, or they're, they're, only, they're rushing only 37% of downs. And Nevada, that number is uh, 37.1. So, so really, really, um, this, is an, this is an air raid football game. Uh, the, the, the slight lean here is towards Nevada's offense. The defense for... Um, New Mexico State, not very good. 94th against the pass, which with a, a veteran quarterback like Carson Strong is going to be very, very worrisome. And uh, 118th in, in success rate overall on defense. So this Nevada defense, or excuse me, this New Mexico defense is, is really, really bad. And and Nevada is not too far off of them. Uh, 123rd in success rate, 88th against the pass, 129th against the rush. I think this could get weirdly, uh, weirdly high scoring, um, a little bit messy, but uh, I think some of the luster has worn off Nevada for me just because on a per play basis, they're not very efficient. They are able to get first downs on first and second down pretty, pretty well. 24th in, uh, or uh, excuse me, uh, f- fifth in field position is what I wanted to look at. They, they, they're starting drives well and they're getting quality possessions well, but they're not finishing in the red zone at all. 86th in points per quality possession at 3.77. And and actually that's something that New Mexico State does decently. They're 56th in points per quality possession. So um, if if Nevada can't break off a few big plays, I see this being a little bit more of a fist fight than they want it to be. New Mexico State is is, uh, far from scrappy, but the numbers are are so much closer here that 31 is, uh, 30 I guess now is, is is a very, very big number for Nevada to cover. Yeah, it opened at 32. It's been bet down to 30 and a half. I actually got this at 32 earlier in the week uh, and felt a lot better about it because obviously that key number of 31 there. But uh, but I still feel good about this. Uh, Kyle, I, I don't expect that this is kind of looking ahead in this spot. I don't expect Carson Strong to be in this game for long if they are able to get a sizable lead here. Uh, on top of that, I think New Mexico State's going to be able to score points because Nevada's defense, you know, number 110 in EPA per play, like Parker was talking about, the defense not great. Uh, my my father taught me, don't ever bet on a bad team to be good. And yet here I am betting on New Mexico State. I bet Temple yesterday. I mean, what am I doing with my life? I, I maybe need to uh, have a little prayer time later. But uh, but tell me your thoughts on, on New Mexico State on the Aggies. Yeah, um, we're going with the dog here, uh, Gary. And I, I like uh, Mark Holmes saying this dog's going to be barking too. Uh, that was a good <laughs> reference. So uh, Gary and I are certainly hoping so. 
um, we've got a New Mexico State team that, for me, I'm going to let Parker say all the numbers in this one because this is not really a numbers-based handicap. Parker always uh, gives us great analytics. I usually try to throw out a lot of stats, but I, I think the stats aren't really what matters in this game to me. What matters the most to me here is uh, you have a New Mexico State team that has continued to keep playing hard. They've played hard to the whistle many times now. I've been impressed by their fight. Uh, even last week against San Jose State, that was a nice, a nice showing. The other thing about this game is favorites of 28 points or more. I wanted to say a system here. Favorites of 28 points or more in game five of the season or later. So we're trying to get rid of the non-conference games at the very beginning of the season. So non-conference games, favorites of 28 points or more, 81 and 108 against the spread. So if you're fading those favorites, you're hitting 57.1% of the time. And that's over a long period of time. So New Mexico State fits that system. What that means here is we've got a Nevada team, Nevada team that has gone into Boise State and won in their huge game. Now, as we talked about yesterday, I think that's probably more about Boise State than it is about Nevada. But, you know, in this one, Nevada has to be looking ahead to future weeks more than they are this one. They play um, Hawaii and at Fresno State in their next two games. Why would they care to run up the score against a team like New Mexico State instead of being ready for big games like that? Um, New Mexico State's outmanned here. I don't think Gary or I either one are saying New Mexico State has a good shot to try to pull this shocking upset or anything like that. This, But I think this is a lot of points given the situation. So, you know, this is not a stat-based handicap. It's more of a situational handicap. I'm going to fade Nevada in this spot. I tend to agree. Let's go ahead and dive into the official play here. Uh, and Kyle and I both are going to ride with the Aggies plus 30 and a half. Liked it better at 32, but I will still take it at 30 and a half. I like it. I think that this is one where uh, you see a win maybe in the 20s for Carson Strong in that bunch. There's no doubt that Nevada is the better football team, but uh, we, we are talking points here. So points are at a premium when you are when you are gambling. So we will certainly roll with that. That is the last game that we were going to discuss before our Q&A. We do want to say thank you to everybody that jumped into the chat. Uh, let's see, Fernando, Secret Machines. Uh, let's see, Mark, uh, <laughs> Secret Machine said Iowa over Penn State. I know you see me, Gary. <laughs> uh, I would take the over uh, Heath Harrelson talking about that game. Uh, Big Trouble Jack, uh, all, all these guys that have jumped into the chat. We certainly appreciate you. Bruce was in there as well. We want to make a little bit of time to be able to tell you all personally. Thank you. Uh, we appreciate you watching the show every single week. So we did have some questions. Uh, yesterday, we had a question about Texas Tech and TCU and I believe the line is, what, one and a half? Maybe, Kyle, you, you might have that up quicker than me. Um, I So I looked at some numbers on this. And TCU is three and six against the spread against Texas Tech. They're only five and four straight up. Parker, I don't know if I should ask you about this game or not. I, should, do you want to talk I will, about it? I will restrain myself, as usual, for all things TCU and how bad TCU is. Please go check out my Twitter and, and podcast. But um, <laughs> the, the stat that I think should be interesting here, a lot of complaints about TCU not using Zach Evans as much last year, last week or um, maybe framing that a little more player-friendly. Zach Evans' workload was very high, and he had to block a bunch, and so he was not able to be as um, – used in the in the second half of that Texas game. They played a close game against Texas. Um, Their rushing EPA on the season, TCU, is 17th, 0.176 behind Evans. Texas Tech's rushing defense, 93rd, 0.113. Um, on the flip side, TCU's passing defense, 76th in the nation. That is not good, especially given the quality of opponent that they have played. Uh, Texas Tech is 7th at 0.360. Of course, that's with Tyler Shuck. Although with Henry Columbian, they've looked competent the last two weeks, stealing one from West Virginia last week uh, on the back of a couple short field touchdowns. So I expect this to be a game of, of, of strength versus weakness where TCU says, we know we're better at rushing. We'd like to rush. Texas Tech is going to try and find Eric Izukama downfield. Um, I, I stayed away from this because 1.5 in Lubbock is just a, that's a life rule uh, that I'm just not going to bet a game that's, that's a 1.5 spread in Lubbock. That tends to make sense. It's actually out to two and a half in favor of TCU right now. A uh, total of 60 and a half. Hey, Kyle, did you have a, maybe a thought on this total here? Um, it seems it, it seems a little low. I guess it was low. I don't know. I can't, I can't decide which way I want to go with this. It's two teams that can't play defense, I feel like. And, uh, and yeah, only, only 60 and a half. What do you feel about it? 
Yeah, my number was higher than this, but I'm a bit worried. It says 17 miles per hour wind for this game. So this one has kind of flagged the under system bet for for a high scoring game with a, a lot of wind. Um, I guess my question real quick for Parker is if it is really windy, which team does that favor in this game? Well, the the issue is, you know, Texas Tech historically throws a lot of screens. And so it's not like they're downfield. I mean, it'll take away some of their downfield passing and they can still get Eric Izukama the ball, um, even if it is on a screen. And he's a freak athlete and will absolutely have a talent advantage. I do think that favors TCU just because um, they, their rushing game is so good and it's so explosive with Evans that I think if this comes into a, um, you know, let's 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 trade possessions. Let's let's flip the field and everything. TCU has had a couple good uh, special teams plays and been very very consistent in the run game. So any kind of weather nonsense pushes me a little bit more towards TCU. Um, uh, Big 12 fans will remember in 2018-17 there was a, an awful game very similar in Lubbock where there was a bunch of wind and I think tech, uh, TCU passed it maybe uh, 11 times in that in that game. So TCU wants to run anyway and and if they get more encouragement. I think they'll get Evans more um, uh, Evans more carries, and that only only favors them. Uh, we did have another question earlier, uh, well, multiple questions about Graham Mertz's status. Uh, Big Trouble Jack wanted to hear our thoughts on Wisconsin versus Illinois. And Wisconsin's an eleven point favorite right now. That line opened up eight and a half, if I'm not mistaken, and and now it's all the way out to eleven. It's in Champaign. This is the uh, the reunion, I guess, for Brett Bielema. 11 seems a little high, and for people that were curious whether or not Mertz is going to be in, I'm curious if they were trying to figure out, okay, if Mertz is in, then I'm going to bet against Wisconsin because of how often they've been turning the football over, or if it's the opposite way around. Like, if Mertz is out, okay, then I'm betting on Wisconsin because it can't possibly be any worse. I, Gentlemen, somebody's going to have to help me out with this. Kyle, we'll start with you. You got any thoughts on Wisconsin here? Yeah, I mean, I, I couldn't lay 11 points with Wisconsin in a game like this because a uh, low-scoring game, total of 42. You know, whether it's Mertz or Wolf, I think Wolf is pretty bad backup, but, you know, Mertz hasn't been very special here this season either. And and the Sharps, the so-called Sharps, have been betting Wisconsin week after week here, and they've been losing week after week. So, you know, I don't want to bet Wisconsin to win by more than 11 points. I mean, if they're, you, you like, want to— They're the opposite of Iowa, Right. That's right. uh, it, like it, right. you say that it's not sustainable that they can continue turning the football over like this, and yet they do it every single game. It's insane. Right. Yeah. <laughs> if I'm batting aside, I'd have to take the points. I think this would be a low scoring game. Um, I'm not excited to bet Illinois because I don't think they're that good of a team, but no way could I lay 11 points with Wisconsin the way they're playing. Uh, Parker, Brandon Peters has been uh, pretty awful. I would imagine that we will see Sitkowski eventually. Uh, but I mean, they've they've kind of stuck to their guns. They got a win over Charlotte last week. They didn't cover, but uh, but they got a win, and that's always promising. I mean, is is there anything to look forward to with Illinois and Wisconsin? The stat that I kind of had circled on this one, uh, I, I I didn't play it, even though I have Illinois and the points in my model, just because again, I don't want to. I don't think you're going to make money betting on on Illinois consistently. Um, Net field position, Illinois is 21st at plus 4.97 yards, whereas Wisconsin is 79th at negative 1.32 yards. So if Illinois can win the field position battle, um, you know, I'm not exactly inspired by their offense, and it, especially given how good Wisconsin's defense is. But I do think that this is a lot of points. I don't think there will be a lot of points generally in the game. And so I would lean towards Illinois and the, and the under, but I'm not going to play this one. It totally makes sense. I'm not doing it either. We're going to take one more. Uh, we had a question about Oregon State heading to Washington State. Uh, the Beavers, a three-and-a-half-point favorite right now on the road. I This was James Lill that brought this one up. I'm curious about this game because Oregon State has had two massive wins over big brands back-to-back. -back. Is this a bit of a we-get-complacent kind of situation? Because Washington State has not been great, but they, you know, they did get a win last week. I... I'm I'm curious here. This is much more one that's going to be interesting for me to watch because at, at where the line sits right now, I don't feel good about it either way. Uh, Kyle, how do you feel? Uh, is is there any kind of lean on the on the Beavers here? You know, um, I'd want to take Oregon State, but at this number, I hate laying more than three points. So I, I think that's kind of what you're saying too, Gary. You know, Oregon State has proven to us that they're a good team. I think Smith is doing a really good job with Oregon State. I really like what I've seen from them. 
Um, 86% of the bets are on Oregon State so far this week. So everybody does want to bet Oregon State based on those big wins. I don't want to bet Washington State. I think I lean to the under here as, as my favorite bet. Um, this one looks like it could be a bit windy as well. So we'll have to keep the monitor the weather. Obviously, we talk about this here on Wednesday or Thursday, and you know the weather can change a lot by Saturday. So keep an eye on that. But I lean to the under. I want to bet Oregon State, but I can't lay three and a half or four points. Yeah, uh, Big Trouble Jack jumped in and said possible letdown for Oregon State. Uh, Washington State defense is playing better. Uh, they held Cal to six points last week. That same Cal that put up 32 on TCU, uh, as Parker will remember. So uh, definitely not great. Yeah, the total 59 and a half. A lot of wind going on throughout the United States this weekend for whatever reason. It, it seems like we've talked about a lot of games that are going to have big gusts and whatnot. So, uh, Parker, you got a thought on the Beavers and the Cougars before uh, before we close this thing out? You know, some games between uh, close teams kind of come down to who can convert third downs and extend drives. I think this game will actually be the opposite of that. Oregon State is ninth on early downs EPA on offense. Washington State 67th on defense. On the flip side, Oregon is 49th on early downs EPA defense. Washington State 116th on on offense there. So I think that Oregon State is going to win the early downs. Now, can they can they score? They're second in points for quality possession in the nation. But Washington State's defense is 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 30th. That's quite respectable. Once once things kind of cross the 40, they're being a little bit more stingy. So um, I, I would lean towards Oregon State. But those are kind of the two things I'll watch: early down success, and when Oregon uh, State crosses the 40, can they kick uh, or score touchdowns instead of kick field goals? And there you go. Uh, Heath Harrelson jumped in. He said, "Gary, how do you feel about SMU Navy? Go back and watch yesterday's show." That's what I'll tell you, because we talked uh, at length about that one for sure. Let's go ahead and uh, and get out of this thing, fellas. I, I feel good. Let's do a recap of our picks. Again, we want you to jump in with your picks in the comments as well. Uh, let us know which way you are riding this week. We'll start off with Parker on the left there. A Buffalo plus five and a half against Kent State. He's riding Nebraska plus three and a half at home against Michigan. And he's got the Crimson Tide, Alabama minus 18 on the road at Texas A&M. I have got Missouri minus 19 at home against North Texas. I'm taking Wyoming plus six at Air Force. And I've got New Mexico State plus 30 and a half uh, on the road at Nevada. Kyle, he's got us a total here. Buffalo and Kent State over 65. He's taking Utah plus three against USC. And he is riding with me on New Mexico State plus 30 and a half against the Wolfpack. Uh, gentlemen, I feel really good about this week. I feel good. We got some outlier kind of games that we're gonna we're gonna tackle. I feel great about this slate, and I'm excited about it. So, reminder to everybody that is watching: one, like the video. We've got some, multiple people watching, uh, way more watching than have liked the video. So, make sure you like the video. Make sure you are subscribed. That you hit that notification bell so that you will know when we go live. Again, it's every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Eastern time. Every Thursday at 12 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, it's a lot of fun every single week. I can't stress enough how awesome it is. Uh, make sure and share out the show and jump into the comments. Of course, the comments help us out, and we want to be able to connect with you guys. We will be commenting back to you, so make sure and jump in with those. Uh, let's go on and end it with this. You need to sign up at BetUS, where the game begins. Use the promo code NCAAF2021. You will get 125% deposit bonus up to $2,500. Guys, that is a deal. That is a deal, my friends. We are trying to help you out. So go ahead. It's Sportsbook exclusive, by the way. So go ahead and knock that thing out. Gentlemen, this is going to be a fun, fun weekend of football. I cannot wait. We are getting more exciting matchups every single week. And we are going to be right here to discuss it every week. So with that said, we will see you all again next week for BetUS, where the game begins. <laughs>